Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. On a snowy January afternoon in 2013, I stood in front of my very first NYU class. I admit to being more than a bit terrified, questioning who I thought I was to be teaching digital marketing to graduate students. But I got lucky that semester. Not only did it turn out I could do it, but I had a great class full of smart, engaged students who have all gone on to very successful careers. And through the miracle of LinkedIn, I have gotten to keep up with what they're doing. One of those students is today's guest, Melissa Tavis, founder of Tipsy Scoop, liquor-infused ice cream. Doesn't that sound absolutely delicious? When Melissa sat in my class, I remember her talking about this new venture she was undertaking. 11 years later, Tipsy Scoop has grown into a hugely successful business that includes events, wholesale and retail, and is now expanding into franchising. At the time we met, I did not know that teaching was going to be a big part of this chapter of my life. And from our conversation that follows, I don't think Melissa knew just how successful her business would become, but that is how life often goes. I think you will really enjoy her story of how an idea, a recipe, and a genealogical connection to the ice cream business has become Tipsy Scoop. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. Excited to be here. But before we dive into things, I really like to start with my favorite question, which is, where are you from? I am from New York City, which I know is unusual, but I was actually born there and grew up there. So from there New go. York. Yeah. New York, <laughs> like like myself, New York born and bred. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's not many of us. So uh, uh, <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, so 11 years ago, I cannot believe it's 11 years ago, but 11 years this January, you were sitting in my very, very first digital marketing class when I barely knew what I was doing, as I like to say. And that again, I remember then though, I remember you being very quiet, but you had this business that you were starting called Tipsy Scoop. And you were pretty low key about it at the time. So can you start with telling our listeners what exactly Tipsy Scoop is and and how you came up with this idea? Yeah, so at Tipsy Scoop, we make liquor-infused ice cream and sorbet. It's all up to 5% alcohol by volume. So unlike baking with alcohol or making rum cakes where the alcohol is burnt off, um, at Tipsy Scoop, our end product does contain an alcohol content. So when you come to one of our stores or order online, you do get carded for purchasing Tipsy Scoop, which is kind of fun. So um when I got started at NYU, I had actually just started Tipsy Scoop as kind of a side hustle, if you will. Um, I had ended a job doing marketing and PR for Wine and Spirits and um, just fell in love with this idea of boozy ice cream. So 
two things. I had had this job in marketing and wine and spirits. So I had lots of samples of different alcohols that I was taking home. And I had (laughs) been working on all these launch parties for brands like Chambord, which is a raspberry liqueur, and then bourbons. And I always was finding a way to feature those alcohols at these events. So I did things like bourbon wings with a caterer. I did Chambord cupcakes. So I was very fascinated by this idea of liquor infused food and that as, you know, an alternative to just showing different cocktails. Um, And ice cream making actually runs in my family from back in the 1800s. My family brought over gelato from Italy to Scotland, which was a very novel concept at the time. So I had always experimented with homemade ice cream. Have you tried to make homemade ice cream before? No, it sounds like too much work to me, but, but, but I do love love ice cream. It is too much work. So I was making ice cream in like a Cuisinart ice cream maker. Um, Those are almost impossible. The ice cream comes out like really icy on the sides and not that ice cream consistency that you know and love. So I actually started adding a little alcohol, just a little, because recipes call for that to soften the consistency. Um, And then I think it was like the vanilla bean bourbon. I was like, oh, you can kind of taste the bourbon. This is awesome. Um, So that's kind of how the idea was born. And like I said, it was um, really just kind of a side hustle that I was starting to experiment um, when I started the NYU program. And that side hustle has grown into quite a business, as I would like to say. Um, it's You've got retail, you've got wholesale, and you've got these barlers, which we'll talk about in, in, in a little bit. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the fact that your grandfather, your great, 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 do I have that? Do I have the number of greats right? Great, great, great grandfather. So right? yes, great, great, great grandfather. Well, great, great grandfather. Um, actually became the president of the Ice Cream Alliance in Great Britain, which I didn't make that up. That's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> it does so sound like been, you made it up. I, I was like, really? There's a thing like that? I know. So my mom and I are pretty into like our family genealogy. She's actually written a few books about it, probably as an excuse to go to Italy. But, um, <laughs> you know, this we have photos of these plaques and him with these ice cream push cards that he had that, like I said, he brought over from Italy to Scotland. And again, that was like unheard of at the time. Gelato. People are still obsessed with gelato. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure it was. Does that influence how you've approached this in your marketing at all? Or is it just part of your DNA? And it's like, okay, we're going to keep this legacy of ice cream making going in the family. Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of part of my DNA. and It just kind of all seemed meant to be at that point. Um, You know, I was already really fascinated by the kind of liquor-infused food thing. And then um, ice cream was so interesting to me also just because there was an opportunity for a product that actually contained alcohol. which was something I was fascinated by, but also realized that I was not a scientist, like maybe (laughs) my great, great grandfather was. And, um, you know, I was able to play with those preliminary recipes, but 
in order to take them to the next level, I needed a little help. You needed a little help. So you start this as a one woman business while you're in grad school and you're essentially bootstrapping your way to a success in a relatively new category from a recipe you perfected. And then around 2016, I think it is, there was a viral video that kind of started to change everything, so to speak, or am I putting words in your mouth? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I started Tipsy Scoop in 2014 at a kitchen incubator space in East Harlem. Um, so I was really just doing, like I said, catering and events with these ice cream push cards. I was starting to experiment with wholesale to specialty food retailers, and then starting to ship nationwide through a company called Gold Belly. Um, I don't know if you know them, but they ship kind of everything. So you can get like tuna from Hawaii shipped to you the next day. It's very cool. Um, So I was really happy with doing all of those things, the catering, the wholesale, the shipping. Uh, brick and mortar was not in the business plan at all. I don't even know if there was a business plan, but it was not. <laughs> I hope people who are listening understand that sometimes the best businesses <laughs> do start without a real solid business plan. So it can happen. Yes, definitely. So, you know, I was thinking this is great. You know, I, I don't need a physical location to be able to do this. Um, and in 2016, we you know, this is when a lot of Facebook was very big and a lot of Facebook videos were coming out kind of showing the behind the scenes making of food, which was kind of new at that time that was just starting. Um, so we had a company, I don't think they even exist anymore, a publication called like National Desk or something that asked to come in to film you know, a behind the scenes making of the ice cream being made. So the alcohol being poured into the machine and then these like beautiful ribbons of ice cream coming out of the machine, which of course is the best way to explain that the ice cream does truly contain alcohol. Um, So we said, yes, come in thinking it would be nothing. Um, And the video got like 10 million views in two days, which was really crazy, especially then. Unbelievable. Um, really? It's, it's, I think it's pretty amazing today, 2 million views on anything. So as, cause we're more distracted yeah. now than ever before. So many more choices. Definitely. So, um, so that video went viral and people started like calling my cell phone. We were getting so many, you know, website inquiries being filled out. Um, and people somehow found our production facility and our production facility was on 110th and park under the train, <laughs> uninviting warehouse. And they were like showing up, knocking on the door. There's no like doorbell or anything, <laughs> um, looking for the boozy ice cream shop that they saw online. And they really didn't stop coming. And we, you know, did some research. We were legally able to sell them pints. And they would buy like $75 worth of ice cream right there. And they really didn't stop showing up. So we decided, okay, we need to like be able to curate this experience a little bit more. There was something like so New York and cool about them finding us in that way. But we wanted, you know, to have a little bit more control over what they were getting, um, the experience to really match what they saw online as well. So we decided to open from there. 
um, and opened in 2017, May of 2017 on 26th Street between 2nd and 3rd. Wow. And you call them barlers. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We call them barlers. We've had um, some copycats of that at this point, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, So yeah, really a combination of an ice cream store with a twist that the ice cream is all boozy. We do have some non-alcoholic flavors at all of our stores. You know, I have kids now. I understand if you have a kid with you and you're getting ice cream, you can't really not get that <laughs> ice cream. So. Right. And I'm sure somebody these days would take a picture of you feeding your kid alcohol infused ice cream. And, and the next yeah, thing you know, yeah. child services would be coming around. Yep. Um, do you need a liquor license for something like this? So it depends on the state. In New York State, you do not need a liquor license. We are, we do have federal approval as a non-beverage, but that doesn't mean a whole lot because states can decide whatever they want about um, liquor infused food. And it is such a new category. So, you know, there's a lot changing with it. We are hoping that it changes in the direction of, you know, considering it a non-beverage nationally. Um, but it's something we're learning as we go to different states as well. Right, because now you're uh, now you're expanding, but not necessarily on company-owned stores. Is that right? You're doing franchises? Yeah. So we um, kind of similarly to why we decided to open a brick and mortar, um, from the start, we were getting franchise inquiries. So the day we opened, people were wanting to open their own tipsy scoop. And then we started also getting wholesale inquiries for people that were wanting to buy in Tipsy Scoop and start their own boozy ice cream shop, but needed a lot of help, like wanted us to help develop Sundays and signage and all of that stuff. So we're like, you know, if there's this opportunity right now to be a first mover in the liquor infused ice cream category, we want people to be opening Tipsy Scoops in these key cities or towns um, rather than some, you know, unbranded boozy ice cream shop that also happens to carry tipsy scoop. Um, so our franchise inquiries didn't stop and we started to listen to them. And we last year went through the process of getting everything ready to franchise. We also also thought it was a great opportunity to kind of look back at our own stores, which had changed so much during COVID and redo manuals and information on, you know, all the Sundays and flavors. So um, it's been a really great experience even before franchises have opened up. So. And you're in how many stores do you have now? You have three that you own. Is that right? So, yeah, we have three company owned stores. We got approved at the beginning of this year as a franchise. So we have um, locations coming up in Washington, D.C., Um, Portland, Oregon, and Phoenix, Arizona. So very exciting. All of our franchisees so far are amazing. And it's so like awesome and just flattering to hear that people are not only fans of the brand, but like such fans that they want to, you know, invest really their lives into making this their job too. So it's awesome. Well, you know, I live over here as I sometimes I still can't believe that I live on this side of the river, but I do live in Jersey City now. And I'm telling you, nice. this city is prime for one of these barlers. Is it because this the town is on fire and I could just see you making or a franchisee making a fortune here yes. with that. So 
you start as this, this teeny tiny little business and now you're all over the place. I mean, it just keeps growing. What was that transition like for you? I'm a bit of a control freak myself. So you literally had your fingerprint on everything and now you can't do it yourself. So you obviously had to get others involved. What was that like? And, and how do you find the right people in that? It's funny with all of the people who, you know, have really become employees of Tipsy Scoop. I don't think we've really like reviewed a resume. <laughs> it's like, you know, they've been referred from somebody else. We met that our VP of marketing. I met her eight years ago. She was working at one of the wholesale accounts that we sold to as a beer and food buyer. And we just talked every time we had a demo there. Um, or our VP of operations was referred to us from um, our co-packing facility. So um, I really kind of met people organically, um, which has been helpful. Um, I think it's hard to find people when you have a small business and really everybody needs to be so hands-on. It's really more than a job. Um, and it's kind of hard to communicate that in a traditional job post, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. And I'm just um, going to shout out there to whoever's listening, especially the, the the younger end of our audience that, you know, resumes are necessary evils, but they don't necessarily get you a job. And your networking and referrals really in the, my experience has always been like that personally. And I, I don't think that's something that has really changed. And it's kind of evident no. in, in, in what you, in what you're saying. Um, so the product is what us marketing types like to call Instagrammable, um, <laughs> which I believe you're using Instagram. I know I found you on TikTok as well, which um, I'm obsessed with TikTok, even though I don't post on it. Can you Me talk to my eyes hurt from TikTok? <laughs> I, I know it's like, Joanne, like you're just wasting time. You have this <laughs> long list of things to do, but there is just... <laughs> Something that now I'm watching ice cream recipes instead of my air fryer recipes, which is my other favorite thing to watch on TikTok. But um, can you talk about how you're using that? Are you collaborating with influencers, with liquor brands? Are you what? What are you? How are you doing that? Yeah. So, like I said, when we started, it was all about these Facebook videos. So I remember being like nervous for our opening on 26th Street because we had so much press in the way of these Facebook videos and every video was like doing so well. Like it really was that like domino viral effect, um, which you like hope for, but you're also like, what do of, I do? Right. What do I do now? This, this thing is taking off. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Facebook was very big at that time. And Instagram was like just starting to be, you know, a big deal. Um, and we really started our Instagram as Instagram was starting. So we have the biggest following on Instagram. I think we have like 233,000 on Instagram. Um, you know, we work with spirits brands a lot for limited edition flavors. Um, we do a different flavor each month and work with brands like Don Julio on like a Senko de Mayo flavor. So we are able to really like piggyback off, um, you know, the brand awareness of those brands and really leverage their following as well. And then I think it's kind of fun. Sometimes we did a 
collaboration last year with Miller High Life. Um, so we made these ice cream dive bars for them. So the idea was they were these Miller High Life infused um, ice cream bars that were inspired by a dive bar. So the ice cream was infused with Miller High Life. The, there was like dark chocolate around the um, bar to be reminiscent of like dim lighting at a dive bar. There was like caramel to be like sticky dive bar floors, peanuts, pop rocks, like the whole thing. It was one of the coolest collaborations I think we've done. And the really, really cool thing about it was the, you know, people who started coming into our store to get these were Miller High Life people. And that's a very different demographic than Tipsy Scoop people. So we had, you know, these big guys coming in where usually we have bachelorette parties, groups of girls. So it was really cool to be able to see how, you know, expanding your product offerings and working with different brands can really introduce a new audience to your product. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I ever would have thought of beer infused ice cream. Like it, you know, I think of yeah. the tequila, I, my eyes were lighting up because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, you know, Don Julio in ice cream. I can't imagine how yeah. fun that is, but it, the beer part, I wouldn't have, it just doesn't natural, but it, it wound up being successful, I gather. Yeah. It, they were so good. And it was just such a fun collaboration. Um, but yeah, you can really do do anything with boozy ice cream. <laughs> the sky's kind of the limit. And do you have so. do you have like a whole test kitchen and, and a bunch of people that are I'm I'm assuming that it's not just you with these recipes anymore, but I may be yeah, making a hasty no, assumption. Um, <laughs> so all of our ice cream now is made off site by a co-packer. They're actually in Red Hook, New York. So the dairy farm is right there. The cows are right there. So in addition to, and people say I don't talk about this enough, um, it's really good ice cream. Like it's high quality <laughs> ice cream that's made with the milk and cream that are from the cows that are right there and happens to be infused with alcohol. Um, so all the ice creams that, you know, are our standard year round flavors and even our monthly seasonals are made there, but we do have an ice cream machine that's a little bit smaller um, out of our Brooklyn location where we test different recipes. Um, and that is really a lot of fun. So my involvement in that part of the process is really just like coming up with an idea for a flavor. And then it's kind of up to the operations team to execute it. And I'm sure you're familiar with this, but me coming from a marketing background, like I always want to do like the craziest, weirdest flavor and want to do like so many flavors. So there's always this like pushback between operations and marketing <laughs> where they're like, um, Melissa, this is impossible. And I'm like, no, no, let's do it. It's worth it. So it's, it's kind of funny. That's um no it's exactly I I I'm right there with you I'd be the same per I'd be the person saying well can't we try it like this what about if we do it like this I mean that's part of what makes a good marketer a good marketer I think um I think the one that really caught my eye in the site though was the cake batter vodka martini ice cream cake I was like wow I, I used to love Carvel cakes oh my gosh I love Carvel cakes yeah I used to love them that was my favorite growing up right through college and I'm like wow my god like this takes us to a whole new level it's not Carvel but it's a different yeah. ice cream um and do you know the story of 
Carvel as well. It's really, I do know what I do know because I am, um, I am of Greek descent. So I do know that Carvel was, it was a, he was an immigrant, if I'm not mistaken, a Greek immigrant that started the Carvel. Yeah. And so he, um, the story of Carvel is in this, it's actually a children's book. I think it's called, it's something about, um, you know, companies that were founded based on mistakes. And the Carvel truck had broken down. So the ice cream was softer than it normally was. So they, it was this happy accident of them selling soft serve um, out of their machines when it was supposed to actually be hard ice cream. And people just fell in love with it. And I love soft serve and I love Carvel. I think that's such a cool story that, uh, you know, it was this kind of accident and ended up being super successful. Super successful. And for those who are listening from other parts of the world or even other parts of the country, if that matter, Carvel is a very New York based thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Budgie the whale. People don't even, <laughs> I said, I said to um, our VP of marketing, who's from Virginia, I was like, what if we did like kind of like a drunken Budgie the whale um, cake one year? And she said, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, not everybody knows about this. Okay. <laughs> no, they don't because, you know, we get very, uh, we, we forget that there's another world sometimes out of, out of uh, outside of New York. Uh, I, I'm just so fascinated. And again, just, just very um, inspired by what you have done in what I consider a very short period of time um, and having this usually successful business going on. So looking back, we could talk probably all day. I'm sure I have enough questions to ask, but looking back to when you were percolating this idea in your head and you're sitting in my classroom and finishing up grad school, what do you wish you had known then? What advice would you give yourself for what was to come? Yeah, I mean, I think it was good that I didn't know much <laughs> because <laughs> I don't think I would have started in the same way. So one thing I like about how I started was I started very small. I think people get very overwhelmed by the idea of starting a business because they think they have to have everything figured out in the beginning and have to have all this money to get started. I would encourage people to try to think outside of the box. Like, how can I get this started on a smaller level that's manageable to me that I feel comfortable with? So I started with the catering and events. I had my ice cream push cards. I didn't produce ice cream unless I had an event booked. So I really didn't have much overhead at all. Um, you know, and it was really made to order. And I had a lot of experience in catering and events. So I felt comfortable starting in that way. Um, so starting really slowly was important. And I got, you know, all sorts of emails in the beginning, especially because around 10 years ago, when I was starting, you know, experimenting with this idea, nobody had heard of anything like boozy ice cream. So people were really excited. You know, you get all sorts of emails from people telling you that they can help you grow the business, you know, X amount, like in a record amount of time. And there was some reason that I didn't respond. And I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but it was probably, you know, about being comfortable and kind of 
learning the product on my own and like not listening to people kind of just pushing you to move forward in a really fast way, which tends to happen a lot. I, I think it might also, I'm going to go back to the New York thing, but you're New York born and bred and, and, <laughs> and, um, we spot scammers. So you're like, wait a second, is this for real? Or is, are you really going to be able to help me? Or are you just a scammer? Um, I yes. think that's, I think that's kind of in a, um, a New York born and bred's DNA. What advice would you have for any budding entrepreneurs listening in? Yeah. It, um, you know, it was hard that I started Tipsy Scoop right when, or started the idea of Tipsy Scoop right when I started this program at NYU. <laughs> and when, when that started to get some legs and some momentum um, with Tipsy Scoop booking all of these events and just like the excitement behind the brand, it was hard to like um, make myself finish the program. <laughs> and I'm so <laughs> glad that I did because um, like I said, just all the connections and just the amazing careers that all the art, my classmates have, um, after completing this program, it was definitely worthwhile, you know, even for that. And then us reconnecting, um, was really cool as well. Um, I, again, I just think like, take it slow, but also just don't be afraid to start. Like I, talk to people about their business ideas all the time and sometimes talk to people for years about an idea that they don't move forward with. And I'm like, if you look back at Tipsy Scoop, if you look at the logo I started with, if you look at some of the packaging, like I'm like cringing looking at it. But <laughs> for, for some reason, I'm like, let's just go for it. Let's see, you know, what people like, what they don't like, what we like. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people are so afraid to just take that step and like, it, it's fine. It doesn't, you know, brands evolve and change all the time. So I would say just go for it and you'll figure it out along the way. <laughs> that the Seth Godin philosophy of start before you're ready. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And look what you can do without being on a uh, shark tank here. Um, not everyone has to start their business and think that next my next step is going to be figuring out how I'm going to get on that show to get investors. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. Social media is honestly such a powerful tool to get started and being able to test, um, you know, different products and even just different business ideas. You know, you can post something and see how it does, um, see what people's response to it. Uh, I don't know if you've read anything about liquid death, which is the canned water um, that has incredible branding. I mean, they started with an idea on Facebook. They didn't have a product. Um, so I think that's really cool. And it's so funny that when I took your class 11 years ago, <laughs> it was a brand new class, wasn't it? Or they had just started the program, the class. program was very relatively was relatively new, and um, for if I didn't say this earlier, it was my digital marketing class, which was an entirely different content than what I do today because it's just all changed so much. It was still we were everyone was still figuring it out, so it was it was pretty new. But I want to go back to what you said um, before we wrap this thing up about liquid death. So I found out about liquid death. I was, I forgot my water bottle. I was on my way to go teach. And there's a little, one of those little 
stands downstairs in, in the lobby. And someone just took it over. So now everything is brands I've never heard of and, you know, three times as much money. All I wanted was a bottle of, you know, Poland Spring. And I see this can that says liquid death on it. And to me, it looked like beer. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what are we doing here? And it was my only choice. So I then became fascinated with finding out more about the brand and this liquid death. It's it's water and it's in a can of all things. It's not even in a cardboard box like just water or, you know, or your typical um, plastic bottle. So it is kind of, it's a fascinating brand though, even just to have a name like that, that is so, it's antithetical to what water is. It's like, what do you mean liquid death? If I can't, if I can't drink water, I'm going to die. You know, you can, <laughs> you, can, you yeah. can live without food for ridiculous amounts of time, but not without water. So it's all, it's kind of crazy, but that's also the marketing mindset. It's like, what's this? Let me find out about it. And, and, and see what they're doing. Yeah, no, it's funny. I think one of our first projects in the must have been just called like intro to um, marketing or something. One of the first classes you have to take as part of um, the NYU integrated marketing degree. Um, one of our projects was create a water brand because bottled water is nothing, right? It's all the same. So it's all in the branding. And I was thinking somebody should have done something like this liquid death idea. Um, Whatever my idea was, wasn't good enough to even remember, but um, it was an interesting project for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do like to finish with a little lightning round of questions. Starting with what is your favorite social network? My favorite social network. I love TikTok. It's a little fast, though. It makes my eyes hurt. Um, so I would say I, I, I still love Instagram. I really do. I love the it's, reels. And I feel like they they know me and they know what I'm going <laughs> to like. So well, they sure I, do. I'm happy with the, the discovery um, aspect of that as well. I always say Instagram is a fan favorite for sure. <laughs> um, something people would never guess about you. Most of them know it, but I am terrified of cats. It's my biggest phobia in the world. And when I go to different countries, I Google how many stray cats they have because I, I need to be prepared. So. <laughs> I'm allergic to them, so I stay away from oh, them That's as well. a good excuse. I usually say that to kind of... <laughs> but it's really true. I, I could smell a cat. I would know a cat was in the house, even if I didn't see it, because I we just start not being able together. to breathe. We would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The last series you binged. Um, I am a huge Bravo fan. So all the Real Housewives, Vanderpump Rules, huge, huge time suck, but it's... <laughs> It's worth it, I guess. <laughs> I think every whenever I ask this question, nine times out of 10, people are just telling me what junk that they binge. And I think it's mm-hmm. just the, it's kind of like the antidote to all the new, the news, which just doesn't seem to get yeah. much better these days. So yeah. you can lose yourself in something else. Um, last book you read? Last book I read, oh my gosh, what was you it have called? Time? Um, well, it was probably a children's book. I have a five-year-old and a 10-month-old. So we read a lot of books at night and we do love that book about mistakes. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really like fiction books. I tend to read a lot of like books on business theories or, you know, things like that. 
Um, so it's probably something along those lines. A food you can't live without? um it so it's definitely not anything sweet I have a huge problem with sugar and once I start I can't stop so um (laughs) I would say probably pizza when you're around sweet things all the time you're like please stop like don't forget me um I would would imagine (laughs) that happens and lastly what motivates you to get up in the morning somebody said this to me once they said I feel so bad for you because you can never relax or turn off from working on your business. And I thought it was so strange because I was like, why would you feel bad for me? I'm so happy to be working on this every day. And I think like it gives me so much purpose. I think I'd be probably really excited about anything (laughs) because that's kind of the kind of person I am. But I just like to for the most part, work on, you know, any of the business challenges that come up. There's so many exciting new revenue streams. You should feel bad for me about having to deal with things like payroll and taxes and stuff like that. (laughs) But um, the the bigger picture is just so exciting and motivating every day. I love it. I love it. Okay. So where can people find you order some tipsy scoop or find out about opening their own franchise? Because we don't know who's listening right now. Yes. So um, tipsyscoop.com has all the information about opening a franchise. Um, I think, you know, it's very exciting as a new franchise. Most of our franchise owners that have signed up so far are super entrepreneurial. This is a new franchise. They kind of have to be. Um, But owning a Tipsy Scoop is awesome. You get to be part of people's like occasion that they're celebrating. People don't come in for boozy ice cream for no reason. They come in to like celebrate some sort of milestone, whether it be like super big or super small. So um, that is awesome. Uh, Franchise information on there, how to order online. Um, And we have three stores in the New York City area. So one in Long Beach, New York, come out for the beach. It's still nice out here. Uh, One in Manhattan and one in Brooklyn and Williamsburg. Thank you so much for your time, Melissa. Thank you. This has been so fun. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note, info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember, whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there. <laughs>